Hey, this is Paul Tomko, and you're listening to episode two of the Anti-Aging Lifestyle. Look, you only get one shot at this thing called life. And your lifestyle, the decisions you make every day, are either making you age faster or slower. Anti-aging is my passion. My goal is to give you the tools to live a long, healthy life. And of course, make sure you look good along your journey. I don't have all the answers, but I'm going to use this podcast to help find those answers so we can all live our best life. Let's get started. Here we go. Episode two. Today, we're going over nutrition and there is... So much to talk about, let's be honest. Nutrition is a very complicated topic sometimes, it seems. And uh, yeah, there's just a lot to go over. So, you know, before we get started, I'm just going to say a lot of this that I'm going to be talking about today is is my own personal journey, uh, my experience over the, the last 18 years of, you know, doing the bodybuilding lifestyle and now these days the anti-aging lifestyle. Uh, I do look forward to interviewing a lot of experts in the fields of nutrition and getting their takes on uh, their specific diets that they promote. But um, yeah, let's get into it. So when we talk about nutrition, from the most basic, highest level, we're talking about calories in and calories out, right? You need a certain amount of nutrition, sustenance to just maintain your life, If you don't get enough calories in each day, you're going to consistently lose weight. Your metabolism will slow down to adjust, but you'll keep losing weight, losing weight. And eventually, if you don't get enough calories in, you'll you'll die. Uh, The opposite of that is also true. If you're constantly eating too many calories, overeating all the time, you'll just keep gaining, gaining, gaining weight uh, to the point that it's doing a lot of harm to your health as well. So from a the highest level when we look at nutrition, we're looking at calories in versus calories out. Um, The next level beyond calories is called macronutrients. So macro meaning big, uh, a large nutrient meaning like a carbohydrate, a protein, or a fat compound. Um, So you're basically looking at controlling how many fat, how many grams of fat you're eating each day, how many grams of carbohydrates, how many grams of protein. So, you know, with calories in, calories out, you're missing you're missing a big portion of fine-tuning your diet, right? Because say I have to eat 3,000 calories a day just to maintain my weight. You could technically survive off of just bread and butter as long as you're eating, you know, enough calories to survive. The problem is, you know, butter, basically pure fat, uh, bread mostly just pure carbs, a little bit of fat, a little bit of protein. So, you know, you're getting enough calories to survive, but from a macronutrient level, you're severely protein deficient and you're just not going to be healthy. So you want to make sure you're getting enough calories to maintain your weight or reach your goals, whether you're trying to lean down, bulk up. We'll talk about that later. You want to make sure you have a good a macronutrient ratio of fat, protein, to carbs. Again, we'll talk about that more later. The next level beyond macronutrients is micronutrients. Micro, of course, meaning small, meaning your your vitamin levels, your mineral levels. 
making sure you're getting a good balance of those so that you're not deficient in any micronutrient that you need for your health. Now, you could be getting these micronutrients, of course, from supplements, say like a multivitamin. Uh, if you're looking at, you know, if you buy like a, a box of cereal, you look at the ingredients, you're going to see all these different vitamins in there. But those are not naturally, you know, normally present in those numbers. They fortify those cereals by adding different vitamins to the, uh, the cereal mix. So that's kind of the, a natural version. The natural version, of course, is ideal. And that's when you're getting it from your fresh fruits and vegetables and different uh, plant sources. Uh, you can get micronutrients also from, say, like eating a steak. Um, those micronutrients are absorbed. Say you're eating, uh, you know, beef. When the cow is alive and eating all the grass and whatever natural diet it has, hopefully it's free range, um, it is storing micronutrients that it gets from the grass or whatever it's eating in its tissue. And then say you eat that steak, there's still going to be micronutrients stored in that tissue while you eat that steak. It's not going to be kind of the, the first-hand micronutrients, right? It's always best if you're looking for getting lots of vitamins and minerals, the best source is going to be a plant-based source because you're getting it straight from the plant. Uh, the secondary source would be eating it through like, uh, you know, steak or even chicken. Whatever that animal was eating during its lifetime is going to be uh, stored in that meat as well. And then, man, there's so many diets out there. And it is, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. So I can kind of see through a lot of different diets and I'm able to understand how the diets would work for my particular body and my physique and my goals. But to someone that's just starting out, I mean, I give you a pass in a sense because it is so confusing. There are so many diets and a lot of them, they're complete polar opposites of what they recommend. And then they have these doctors in every camp of those diets that are promoting them that are saying it's backed by science. And yeah, I mean, it, it, it can be very confusing. When we talk about diets in general, we have more moderate diets. Moderate diets, I would say some examples would be like the zone diet. You know, the zone, for those that remember, zone bars were really big maybe 15 years ago. And the zone diet recommended a 40, 30, 30% breakdown of your macronutrients. So 40% of your carbs, of your calories coming from carbs, 30% from fat, 30% from protein. And uh, they had specific kind of calorie goals each day. But that's a more, you know, moderate diet. Another one would be like the Mediterranean diet, where Mediterranean diets don't necessarily recommend, you know, any particular calorie intakes for each day. They just kind of recommend what you're eating. So, you know, lots of vegetables and fruits, nuts and seeds, whole grains. They do allow bread in their diet. Um, lots of herbs, spices, fish. Olive oil is a big one in the Mediterranean diet. You know, they try to minimize or, you know, eat in moderation eggs and cheese and yogurt. And they try to limit, you know, added sugars, processed meats, refined grains, refined oils and other you know processed foods so mediterranean diet again a more moderate diet i would consider um beyond that very similar in a sense would be the paleo diet again promoting you know minimizing processed ingredients 
focusing on natural foods, kind of like the the hunter gatherer diet, where you know, say you're a caveman, you know, ten thousand years ago or whenever cavemen were were roaming the world. <laughs> um, what would you be eating? You know, you wouldn't be eating anything from from a box or a can. It would be something that you could you know hunt and kill, something that you could gather from a tree or from roots.、Um, so that would be the paleo diet. Minimizing processed foods,、um, lots of fruits, veggies. You know, one way I like to think about it is when you go to the grocery store. If you're eating a paleo or even like a Mediterranean diet or a whole food diet, for the most part, you're really shopping on the perimeter of a store. You go in there, you go to like the fresh produce section and the meats and everything. That you would be eating is normally on the outside of the store. You're not going through the aisles. Normally, when you're going through an aisle, you're going through the packaged goods, the canned, the boxed goods, the frozen goods. So, yeah, again, a couple examples of moderate diets: Mediterranean, Paleo, whole food diets. Now, there are also some what I would consider more extreme diets. Where you're limiting severely, limiting certain、um, aspects of nutrition, not necessarily bad or good, but definitely more extreme. So some examples of that would be like the ketogenic diet, the keto diet, where you're severely limiting your carbohydrate intake、um, to the point where you're in, you know, ketogenesis. If you're really, really strict about the keto diet, you'd be even using Uh, what's called a pH strip, and、uh, it's like a little strip of paper that measures pH levels, and you would literally like pee on the strip and see where your pH is at, and make sure that you're in a you know keto phase.、Um, but yeah, very extreme.、Um, my thoughts on the keto diet, just briefly. You know, eventually I do plan to have experts on the keto diet. And kind of hear their take.、Um, my take on the keto diet. I'm not a huge fan because I do believe that fruits and vegetables have a ton of benefit when it comes to anti-aging、uh, to your health, your long-term health. And you know, with a ketogenic diet, you're really you're limiting limiting your carb and your sugar intake. Which is good in a sense if it's like a processed carb or sugar, but you're also limiting, you know, on a strict keto diet, you're limiting fresh fruits and vegetables that may push you out of ketosis. And I don't believe ketosis is more important than eating those fresh fruits and vegetables that are getting all that nutrition and nutrients into your body. So that's my biggest issue with keto diets.、Um, I, I lied. There's another big issue I have with it. So again, they're really focused on low, low carb, but they don't really tell you too much guidance or really care what you're doing with your fat and protein. So you could be eating, you know, tons of really fatty cuts of any kind of meat. You could be eating a ton of lunch meat and processed, processed meat. You know, processed meat. By the way, you know whether it's lunch meat or. You know, very preserved like bacon or whatnot, which is actually a class one carcinogen. You know, every year the World Health Organization is coming out with guidelines to prevent you know cancer, 
and they finally classified processed meats, ham, bacon, salami, frankfurts, you know, those old school hot dogs as a group one, a class one carcinogen, which a class one means it's known for sure to cause cancer, which is crazy. So again, that's another big issue I have with the keto diet. You could be eating all these super processed meats, really, really fatty cuts of low quality meat, but be super low carb. (laughs) And you could be in a ketogenic diet. And I don't think it's necessarily healthy at all. Along those same lines, it would be the carnivore diet. Carnivore diet is an even more extreme version of a keto diet. The carnivore diet is when you're only eating meat. So <laughs> literally you could be eating, uh, you know, you need to make sure you're getting enough calories to survive. So you need to eat quite a bit of meat. But I'm talking like maybe a three pound steak or something each day. And and that's it, you know, just just meat. No, nothing else. Straight up meat. Um, yeah, that's crazy. I, I think it's it's pretty nuts. Um, this is also what I like to call the, the Jordan Peterson diet because Jordan Peterson is all over social media and kind of the news these days and he does follow that diet. And listening to him talk about that diet, I will say there, there may be very, very unique extreme cases when a carnivore diet may be beneficial, maybe in the case of like Jordan Peterson, where he seems to have a ton of, I don't know what you call it, just allergies or issues, digestive issues, eating all these other, you know, um, food items, whether it's even veggies or he had all this kind of gastrointestinal discomfort and issues. And it wasn't until he went to a very, very strict, strict carnivore diet, only meat, that all his issues kind of cleared up, whether it was allergic reactions or whatever his unique case was. A carnivore diet did seem to help him um, avoid those issues. He lost a ton of weight, probably because he was in a calorie deficit. It's hard to, in my opinion, it'd be very hard for me to get all my calories uh, from just eating meat. Um, I have a pretty fast metabolism, so it'd be pretty tough. Now, the opposite of the carnivore and more ketogenic diets would be the plant-based diets. The most, uh, what would you call it? Least extreme of these would be like a pescatarian diet. When you're not eating meat, you know, no red meat, uh, no poultry, but you are still eating uh, fish. So it's fish, um, and you're eating tons of veggies, fruits, nuts, all all the rest of it, Uh, but you are still eating fish. Then there's also vegetarian diets. And, you know, side note, there's so many variations of pescatarian, vegetarian. I'm not going to go into all the different unique terms. Basically, they're just different variations of each other. Some of them allow, you know, eating dairy. Some of them allow eating eggs um, in addition to the fish. Some of them don't allow those. Uh, But in a general sense, pescatarian, no meat, just fish, uh, plus the fruits and vegetables and nuts and everything else that's plant-based. Vegetarian, uh, there'd be no fish. And again, different levels of vegetarian. Some allow eating dairy and eggs. Some minimize or uh, don't allow uh, dairy or eggs. Of course, if you're eliminating 
eliminating all dairy and all eggs and all meat and all fish, that would be a vegan diet. Well, I would say vegan is a little bit different, actually. Vegan is more a lifestyle. Vegan means you're not wearing any animal products, whether it's your clothing, you're not using any animal products, uh, like on your skin, cosmetics, all that stuff. It's, it's a much deeper, more uh, spiritual, almost ethical reason for for not wearing or consuming those products. But if you're eliminating dairy, eggs, meats from your diet from a nutrition standpoint, that would just be called a plant-based diet. Beyond a plant-based diet would be a plant-based whole food diet, right? Because you could be plant-based, completely plant-based, but you could still be, you know, drinking beer and eating french fries and eating chips and cereal and a lot of processed food. It may be plant-based, but um, whole food, I would say, is a step beyond plant-based and, in my opinion, much healthier. But yeah, there are, like I said, so many diets out there, so many variations. I know it's super confusing. I know a lot of people out there just want to look good, be healthy, and they just want to be told, what, what diet do I need to follow? What Just tell me what to do, you know, with confidence. Give me the, you know, supporting evidence and just let me do that because I just want to look good. I want to be healthy. I don't want to spend all day trying to figure out which, you know, specific diet to follow and then get confused. And it's very confusing. And I can't wait to go into all these diets in detail and just trying to figure out you know, what's going to work best for you. But, you know, just looking at all the diets that I mentioned, there are a few consensus, you know, items across the board. It seems pretty clear that minimizing processed foods and processed added sugars is a beneficial thing um, that is promoted across many of the diets. There's not too many diets that are like, you know, a sugar diet, obviously, and probably gonna mess up your body pretty bad long term uh eliminate trans fats trans fats are are like the devil when it comes to your health they are they're like a chemically altered fat where they actually add hydrogen to a fatty acid to make it more stable for uh, shelf preservation when you're adding it to foods but it's super bad for your health it's been known to raise your LDL, you know, your bad cholesterol, to lower your HDL, your good cholesterol. Uh, it's been linked to increases, you know, in risk for developing heart disease and stroke, diabetes. Like trans fats are super bad. Uh, luckily, luckily, after decades and decades of sneaking into our foods, uh, finally, it's been a requirement to have trans fats listed on your food labels. So now you'll, you'll see your total fats, your saturated fat, and your trans fats, which have to be listed now, which is a, you know definitely a move in the right direction. A couple issues with that is you can list zero grams of trans fat as long as it's less than 0.5 grams per serving size. The problem with that is maybe you know they put a small amount of trans fats, which again helps helps the maker of these cookies or these chips or whatever they're adding trans fats to. It helps them increase the shelf life of these food items, but it's terrible for your health. So they might get by by putting, you know, 0.49 grams in each serving 
And because it's below 0.5 grams, they can technically write zero grams of trans fats, even though it's not zero grams. It's 0.49 grams in each serving. And, you know, you might be thinking to yourself, well, 0.49 grams, less than half a gram doesn't sound like too much, Paul. But maybe there's eight servings or 12 servings in this bag of chips or this bag of cookies. And most people, let's be honest now, most people are not eating just one serving because one serving is, you know, enough for like a little two-year-old. Like, let's be honest, serving sizes are pretty small these days. (laughs) Um, So if you're eating multiple servings, you're going to get a couple grams of trans fats. And again, these are like, these are death. These are killing your body and you really need to avoid trans fats. So one way to kind of really understand if there's trans fats in whatever you're eating, again, ideally not eating too many processed foods, but if you are, you want to be aware of these things. You want to look at the actual ingredients. And if you see any kind of hydrogenated oil or partially hydrogenated oil, you want to eliminate it. Just just don't eat it. Just, just find something else that doesn't have it in it. And again, that hydrogenated means they're adding hydrogens to the oil just to help stabilize it and increase the shelf life at the cost of your health. So avoid that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, there there is um, there is a lot to, to understand when it comes to nutrition. Uh, just briefly, I'll go over kind of my journey through nutrition. I started getting real serious about my my health and looking trying to look good, you know, picking up the fitness magazines and trying to look like those guys back in high school. So back then, I was eating a pretty normal diet, just kind of whatever I felt like, you know, chicken sandwiches and deli sandwiches and chips and I mean just whatever, just pizza, occasional donuts. I was very very normal diet, let's just say back then. Um and my first kind of nutritional tweak that I did, not saying it was the right decision, but this is kind of just my journey. In high school, I started eating low fat. So I made sure I got enough protein and carbs, but I didn't really care how much I was eating that stuff. I just wanted to eat low fat. So any kind of food I ate, I just wanted to make sure you know, I wasn't adding extra cheese. So when I ordered sandwiches, suddenly I was doing no cheese, no dressings. Um, or very light on the the dressings. Um, all the snacks I was eating, I was always, I, again, I had no idea what I was doing. This is like 20 years ago. But I would just look at the ingredient labels and I make make sure that whatever snacks I was eating was low in fat. Um, and then beyond that, I started getting into bodybuilding in college. That was kind of my next phase after my low fat phase. By the way, when I was low fat. <laughs> I mean, I was a teenager, so you feel pretty good regardless of what you're doing. But I really think it it held me back from a lot of my my muscle growth that I was trying to achieve back then. Because when your fat intake is too low, and my fat intake was pretty low back then, it may help you keep leaner simply because, you know, for every gram of fat that you intake, that's, that's nine calories per gram of fat, right? So it's more than double the amount of calories per gram of carbs or protein. So by keeping my fat intake so low, my overall calories were probably pretty low. And because I was in a calorie deficit or low calories, I was just lean. You know, I had had pretty low body fat. Um, But two negatives of that, if I'm trying to build muscle, you need to be in a slight calorie surplus. So I was struggling to gain weight all the time back then. 
and frustrated not knowing why it was hard for me to gain muscle back then. And then there's also the hormonal aspect. A big part of staying healthy is keeping your hormones healthy. A big part of gaining muscle mass is keeping your testosterone high, your hormones high. A big part of losing body fat is keeping your hormones healthy. And a big part of keeping your hormones healthy is making sure that you're getting enough quality fat intake in because hormones uh, need fat to create hormones. Your body needs fat to create hormones. It needs healthy cholesterol to create hormones. Of course, your body can make some cholesterol, but again, we'll get into that later. I mean, some of my pre-workout meals back then were crazy. Like I would eat an entire box of grape nuts with a carton of unsweetened soy milk, or I would eat an entire bag of six bagels before a workout. Like, what was I thinking? (laughs) When I was getting into bodybuilding, this is now in college, fast forward a few years, I was eating (laughs) probably about five, a little over 5,000 calories a day. And it was spread out. I was eating every two to three hours because I thought, you know, you need that constant influx of calories and protein and carbs and fat to to build muscle. So I literally eat every two to three hours. It was a big pain in the butt, man. <laughs> um, and uh, I wasn't really focused on vegetables at the time because I was just trying to get in calories. And if you eat a huge salad, a huge bowl of broccoli and you know, spinach and kale, you're so full from vegetables that you're not getting the carbs, the protein that you need to to build muscle. So back then, I was eating not too much greens, maybe a little bit. But the way I broke down my meals was following what was called a zigzag diet. And it was a a diet that was promoted by a guy named Dr. Squat, uh, aka Dr. Fred Hatfield who was a huge bodybuilding trainer in like the 80s and some in the 90s as well. And basically he would say, you know, eat every two to three hours, break up your meals. Um, Every meal needs to have protein. His thinking was, you know, your body's ability to store protein is, is very limited. So you need to have protein in every single meal that you're eating because if there's no protein in your meal that you're eating, your body is literally going to break down muscle tissue to get the protein that it needs for whatever bodily functions that it has, you know, in the, at the cellular level uh, where it needs protein. So his thinking was every meal, eat protein. In terms of carbohydrates, he recommended eating carbs for whatever energy expenditure that you're going to have. So say I'm going to be working out in a couple hours or I'm going to have a very active day say it's early in the day and I have a big busy day ahead of me, eat more carbs because carbs, he said, were your your main fuel source, your body's ideal fuel source. So always, you know, he, he would say, never start a journey on an empty tank. You can't start a long road trip with without any gas in the tank. And he called carbs your gas. So every time before I sat down to eat carbs, I would ask myself, What am I going to be doing for the next two to three hours of my life? And if I was going to be active, going to the gym, I would eat a lot of carbs. If I was going to take a nap or just be in a library studying all day, um, again, I was back in college. Or if I was going to sleep late at night, then I would eat almost no carbs or very little carbs because I wasn't going to burn those carbs for energy. And if I'm not going to burn them, I'm going to store them as fat. 
And then fat intake, he normally recommended his the fat intake to be consumed, um, you know, later at night at your lower carb meals. Whenever your carbs are lower, he would say get your fat in. Uh, there are some studies that came out that showed when you ate fat and carbs together in the same meal. So when you're eating carbs, especially a large amount of carbs, those carbs break down into sugars. Those sugars enter your bloodstream, raising your blood sugar levels. Your body then releases insulin to help normalize blood sugar levels. So it's taking sugar out of your bloodstream and driving them into the cells. And if you're eating a lot of fat at that same time, while your insulin is driving the the sugars into your cells, it's also driving the fat into your cells. So he was saying if you're eating carbs and fat together at the same time, there's a higher chance you're going to store that fat that you're eating on your body as fatty tissue. So he would say at your higher carb meals, keep your fat lower. At your lower carb meals, keep your fat higher. And that's basically what I did through about four to five years of when I was really focused on bodybuilding. I was eating, you know, seven, eight, nine, even 10 meals a day for four and a half years straight without missing almost any night. I would wake up in the middle of the night to drink a protein shake or get some kind of meal in because I didn't want to go eight hours without eating. (laughs) Uh, Looking back, it was it was pretty intense, a little bit crazy, I would say very extreme. But literally for four and a half years, I almost never missed a night of waking up to drink a big protein shake. Um, it was just like clockwork. My alarm would go off. I would, I would roll out of bed, groggily go into the kitchen, find my protein shake, mix it up, drink it, go to the bathroom, brush my teeth with water because my mom would get so pissed at me. She knew I do this. She knew I would do this, and she would get so angry at me if I didn't brush my teeth at least with water after I did it. <laughs> so I was in this, you know, this routine. Or I would go into the bathroom, again, 2 or 3 in the morning, super tired, brush my teeth with water, and then just go back to bed. And I'd fall back right, at, you know, fall right back asleep. But for four and a half years, I did that. Um, crazy, I know. But yeah, I was eating every two, three, four hours. Um, a lot of carbs, a lot of protein, protein every meal. And that was the next phase of my nutrition journey. Once I got out of bodybuilding and I was focusing more on my long-term health, that's when I started eating less animal protein. I was doing a bunch of research. It seemed like uh, there are a lot of links to animal protein and especially excess animal protein consumption was doing harm to my health, was increasing my risk of, you know, cancer, diabetes, etc., so starting in, I, I talked about this a little bit in the intro, but starting in, you know, 2013, 2014, I started doing more plant-based uh, protein powders. I started started doing a lot more shakes and smoothies. Um, there was a phase from 2016 to 2018, two years when I was very, very strict uh, eating a plant-based whole food diet. So pretty much no meat, no dairy, no eggs, none of that. And yeah, I did that for a couple years. Based on my goals, I'm trying to maintain a certain level of muscle mass, a certain look for as long as possible. I'm thinking at least the next 50 years, I can, I can kind of maintain a certain look that I have. 
And uh, that was my biggest issue with doing the plant-based whole food diet. Not saying that it's wrong. Not saying that you shouldn't do it. Not saying it's bad for you. Not saying I can't do it again in the future and have success. I'm still learning. I'm still on this journey myself. But when I did it the last two years, the plant-based whole food diet, I was losing some muscle and strength. And it wasn't dramatic. It wasn't overnight. It was a slow, slow decline. Um, And I lost about 15 pounds uh, of weight and about 15% or so of my strength and size over the course of two years. And that was over the course of two years of lifting and training very hard, trying to gain muscle, but um, just kind of falling short for whatever reason. Um, I am really looking forward to interviewing doctors and nutritionists and experts, especially the nutritionists that also have a good amount of muscle mass and understand the athletic side of things too. Um, but I really want to learn this more and do more blood work on myself and kind of be a, a guinea pig in a sense in the future to kind of test out, you know, if I'm on a strict, strict plant-based whole food diet for long durations, what happens to my body? What's what's happening to my blood? Am I becoming deficient in something, a micronutrient or macronutrient? Well, it wouldn't be macro, a micronutrient that I am not aware of. Is it iron? Is it, you know, what's going on? I just need more data. And I will be honest, um, I didn't gather as much data as I should have. Uh, to make this a true scientific experiment, <laughs> um, because I was eating enough fat, protein, and carbs. My calories were above 5,000 pretty much every day. Again, I have a fast metabolism. Um, so I was getting enough calories, but I was missing something, and that was causing me to lose muscle and strength. These days, as of 2019, I eat probably like a 96% plant-based whole food diet from a caloric standpoint. So a lot of whole foods, a lot of smoothies still. And I eat maybe three to four ounces of a high-quality grass-fed bison or steak or wild salmon uh, each day. So, you know, three to four ounces is about the size of uh, about the size of your palm. I have pretty large hands, so that's not the right size. But for most people, a steak about the size of your palm is about how much animal protein that I eat right now. I don't do any dairy, no eggs. Um, and that's where I'm at right now. And eating just eating that small amount of animal protein for whatever reason, again, I got to figure this stuff out because right now I feel like I lack a lot of data. Um, but for for me, eating that small amount of animal protein each day, I feel so much better for whatever reason. Mentally, I feel better. In the gym, I'm stronger. My pump is back to normal again it's it's a a very good pump i have great workouts higher energy levels and in my mind i'm thinking okay if animal protein does do any health damage if i am promoting cancer diabetes etc hopefully because i'm eating such a such a small amount and i'm eating so much greens and vegetables and fruits i can help hopefully at least neutralize whatever damage that i'm that's being done and that's kind of the philosophy that uh, one of the doctors that I look up to, Dr. Joel Furman, that's kind of his theory on it. And uh, at some point, I do want to get Dr. Furman on the podcast and we can talk to him, uh, you know, particularly about this issue. But yeah, that is my journey so far in a nutshell. 
And again, I'm never going to pretend like I have all the answers for you guys. I am definitely on this journey with you. My goal is to be super healthy for as many years as possible. And not only that, I want to look good. I want to have low body fat. I want to have a good amount of muscle mass and have the aesthetics that I want while being healthy. And I do think we can do both. But it's going to take a, a certain understanding of nutrition and finding out what works best for you, what works best for your lifestyle. I mean, these days you hear intermittent fasting all over the place. And, you know, where you're literally going windows of time throughout the day that you're not eating at all. Whether it's, you know, a 12-hour, 14-hour, a 16-hour, a 20-hour window each day. There's different types of fasting, intermittent fasting. But you have to find out what works for you. Maybe that works for you. Maybe it allows you to work a full work day without eating, without worrying about eating. You can just focus on your work and just drink water and then eat when you go home at night. For me, for me, I tried intermittent fasting and it was really tough for me because, again, I have a fast metabolism. I am naturally very, very, very skinny, ectomorph, maybe a little meso, but primarily ectomorph. And... For me to consume over 5,000 calories of high-quality, plant-based, whole food, nutrition, with a little, little bit of meat, but all that whole whole food, <laughs> that's a lot of food. If you're looking at how much food I eat each, each day, it's, it's a lot of volume. And for me to eat all of that in like a six or eight-hour window, I found it to be very uncomfortable. <laughs> like was not enjoyable. And I, my thought to myself was like, I'm eating so healthy. Like in the big picture, grand spectrum of things, I eat super, super healthy. So why go through this pain of eating all this healthy food that I'm grateful, so grateful to be able to eat and force myself to eat it all in such a small window? So because I didn't enjoy it, because I found it very uncomfortable, I didn't do it for very long. Um, and, you know, there's a doctor, Dr. Greger, Michael Greger, who's kind of a, a plant-based whole food diet ad advocate. And he was showing a bunch of studies that showed it wasn't necessarily a lot of the benefits with, with doing the intermittent fasting was that you're going long periods throughout the day when you're not eating. What Dr. Greger was pointing out, that it wasn't so much the fact that you're going long periods without eating in general. The important thing each day was going long periods each day without consuming animal protein. Again, this is like a vegan advocate, so uh, bear that in mind. But he is showing a bunch of studies that showed as long as you're going long periods each day, minimizing your animal protein intake, you're, doing, you're getting the same health benefits of going long periods throughout the day without eating anything at all. So for me, I'm basically eating all my animal protein in one meal at one time. My three to four ounces each day is consumed at once. So using that theory based on what Dr. Greger is saying, I'm basically going, you know, like 23 hours without eating animal protein. So in my mind, I was like, okay, I don't need to do this fasting thing. Just make sure all the animal protein that I do consume is consumed at once so that I get the benefit of the better workouts and everything, but I'm not doing, hopefully, the damage throughout the day. So that was my thinking. Um, but you got to find out what works for you, and I'm going to help you with that process over time as I interview experts. So 
that is it for now on nutrition. This is kind of just a, a brief overview of how complicated it can be with all the different diets out there. Um, and just, it's going to be a journey. It's going to be a journey of us understanding the pros and cons of each diet and finding out what works best for you and your lifestyle. All right, that's it for episode two, the brief overview of nutrition. If you like what you hear, please leave a review, subscribe. That really helps me spread this new show that I'm creating to help as many people as possible on their own anti-aging lifestyle journey. Now, at the end of the first episode, I ended the very end of the episode with what I call a Tomco tip, where I talk about some topic of life which may not directly relate to anti-aging lifestyles, but I find is just a very important concept that I want to touch on. So that is one benefit that you get if you listen to each episode at the very end. So now, Tomco tip number two. Today on Tomco Tips, I want to talk about the topic of forgiveness. Forgiveness is one of those magical things that when you do it on a regular basis, on all aspects of your life, you really live a much more free life, a life free of resentment, a life where you're not holding any grudges to anyone. A lot of people say they get in an argument with someone or someone does something bad to them someone does wrong to you in whatever aspect of life whether it's relationships at your job maybe you get fired someone you know in business uh kind of backstabs you and takes advantage of you and you feel resentment towards someone you hate someone you dislike someone now that is something that you can control And one of the most important things in life is learning how to forgive someone else for what they did to you. Because once, whatever they did, say it's something terrible, I get it. But once it's done, once it's over, say time has passed, months have gone by, you know, a year has gone by. If you still feel all that resentment and hate towards that person, it's going to, at that point, it's going to hold you back in life. It's going to, it's going to hurt you more than it helps you. So learning how to forgive that person, learn having the strength to forgive someone that has hurt you is a huge benefit to yourself. It relieves all the stress and tension and resentment. And it's so powerful because when you're able to forgive, forgive the people or the things that have happened to you, forgive and forget, learn, but forgive them. It allows you to be in a position where you're free where you feel less stress each day and you just become happier. It's a gift that you must master for yourself. And this is this doesn't only apply to forgiving other people. It also comes and applies to forgiving yourself. Because there's so many events and circumstances in life that you know, humans are not far from perfect. We make mistakes all the time. We make mistakes in our job. We make mistakes in relationships with family members with friends with investments whatever it is that we're doing we're constantly making mistakes and if you always are super hard on yourself for whatever you're trying to do you're gonna you're not gonna be happy you're gonna look in the mirror and have all this pent-up resentment and hate and frustration to others and yourself 
But when you're able to forgive yourself, forgive yourself for the mistakes that you've made in the past. It's so powerful. It allows you to move on, move forward in your life without the resentment, without the resentment, which is huge. It takes a huge weight off your shoulders. So that's my tip for today. I know it's tough sometimes when someone does something wrong or bad to you or someone takes, you know, takes advantage of you or if you make a really stupid mistake in something that you're trying to work on. But learning how to forgive them, learning how to forgive yourself, truly, truly forgive yourself is such a powerful thing for your happiness, for your health, for your mental health. Um, and it's something that I'm always working on, but I hope that you can also work on it with me because mastering this habit of forgiveness is going to make your life so much more amazing. So that's it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, thanks. Love you guys.